right, Believing and Receiving is the title of this message, Matthew 9, 27 through 31. The Bible says, Jesus passed on from there. As he passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be done to you. And their eyes were open. We're not talking to spiritual eyes at this point. We're talking physical eyes. It may be, and we'll look at that in a minute, that the spiritual eyes were open, but the miracle is that their physical eyes were open. And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it, but they went away and spread his fame throughout all the district. Now, Jesus had been doing some incredible miracles. He just got out of Capernaum, uh, I believe, where he had um, uh, healed a, a woman that had come up behind him, touched the hem of his garment, was healed uh, of 12 years of having a flow of blood. Uh, she was immediately touched and healed. There was a man by the name of Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue. His, her daughter was dead. Uh, he came to Jesus, said, if you come and touch her, then uh, uh, she will be made well. Jesus went touched her, she rose from the dead. And then the Bible says the report about it went through all the district. Now that's important. Okay, because when we get to this passage, the Bible relates this account of two blind men who we already saw is gonna are going to receive their healing. So although blind, their hearing was still good. I say that even though it's very obvious because surely they heard the reports of what had taken place where Jesus had just gone. Perhaps they even heard specifically about what had taken place with Jairus' daughter. Either, the way, either way, the man that was doing these miracles, Jesus, was now coming their way, and they determined that they were not going to miss their chance to receive something from him as well. So it's important for us to understand that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is God. He doesn't so show partiality. Anything that you read that Jesus did for someone else, you can believe God to do that for your life as well. Anyway, uh, the first thing we want to look at in this text is there, there were two blind men that followed him. How many? Not one, but two. Why is that important? Uh, while faith is a very individual thing. Let's look at that real quick. We need to understand that you cannot believe God for someone else's salvation. You can believe God that they will be saved, but they were not going to be saved because you believe they're going to be saved when they believe. The Bible says in Romans 1 and 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In Romans 10, 9, and 13, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you have to believe in your heart. Who, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I have to call on the name of the Lord myself. I cannot call on the name of the Lord for my children. I can pray for my children. I can believe God for my children. And I believe I will see the answers to my prayers, but at some point they have to cry out to him themselves. So it's a personal faith, but the reason I'm starting here is because I believe the Lord wanted me to emphasize that word too. Because there's something about faith that is collective as well. It's corporate. 
I want to talk to you a little bit about the importance of corporate faith. What I believe the Lord wanted me to emphasize about these men is that, again, there wasn't just one of them. There was two of them. They were together, each believing God for their healing, but I also believe that they were believing God together. Let me say that again. They were each individually believing God for their healing, but I also believe that they were believing God together. What do I mean by that? Well, maybe when Jesus began to walk away, one of them would have quit, but the other one didn't, and he kept on going. And because he kept on going, it might have inspired the other person to keep on going. There's something to be said about corporately or uh, corporate faith or collective faith. Mark 2, 1 through 5, the Bible says when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them, and they came, it doesn't say he came, it says they came, who is they, I'm about to tell you, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they, the four men who were carrying the paralytic, and I'm sure he was wanting them to do so, they removed the roof above Jesus, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Now notice, they had to be there with him. They didn't come without him. But it was something about all of them together, working together to get this man to Jesus. In Leviticus 26 and 8, it says, Five of you shall put a hundred to flight, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. So there is, it's important. One person can do significant things for God. But when you get two people believing together, it's amazing exponentially what God can and will do through us is multiply. In Acts 5, 12 through 16, it says, Many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest there joined them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Now, I think the word believers, I preached on this one time, is very important. It doesn't say converts. It doesn't say new members. It says believers. I believe what that means is that these were people that weren't just gathering together, but they were high in faith. And these believers uh, uh, were believing to such an extent because they knew what God was doing by the hands of the apostles that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter's came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. They were all believing God together, working together. And when they did that, here's what happened. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits and they were all not some not most they were all healed why because they were believing God together corporate collective faith 
Then in the book of Acts chapter 19, 9 through 10, the Bible says that Paul was preaching in the city of Ephesus, and when he was rejected by the synagogue, he went across the street to, a, to the, what's called the house of, or the hall of Tyrannus, and the Bible said he continued there preaching every day for two years. And here's what's important. So that all the residents of Asia, not all the residents of Lake Jackson, not all the residents of uh, uh, Brazoria or this area down here, but all the residents of Asia. Asia was a, like a region, almost, so we could say all the southeast region of the United States. All of them heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Why is that important? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so what happened? Faith was rising in that area, and because of that, we have in Scripture recorded that God wasn't just doing signs and wonders. God wasn't doing just miracles. He obviously was doing that because God had to differentiate what was now happening. Now He was doing extraordinary miracles. That's an oxymoron. To me, right? So what that tells me is that God was doing miracles, but there was so much faith, there's so much collective faith, so many people believing God that we began to see miracles beyond the norm. I would be happy to see the normal miracle. But imagine if we all come together and start believing God together with a God who can do anything, will do anything in our midst. We can begin to see not just the miracle, but I believe God is calling us to see extraordinary miracles. So that even by the hands of Paul, they took claws and, and, and aprons that were on his body and they took it to people. And when they got there, they were healed or they were set free from their afflictions. So the importance of two men following after Jesus. The second point I want to look at is that they were crying out. The Bible says as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him crying out, saying, have mercy on us, son of David. So how does that apply to us? Well, obviously they were crying out to Jesus to hear them, to listen to them. Now, how many of you know as Christians, we have a privilege called prayer. We can look at crying out in a couple of different ways that will apply directly to us. The first way we can understand it is in the context of prayer. These men were crying out to the Messiah, to Jesus, to change their situation. Romans 10, 11 through 13, it's, the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. That means everyone, uh, whoever you are, God shows no partiality. For the, Lord is, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call or cry out to him. For whoever calls or cries out on the name of the Lord will be saved. Luke 18, 1 through 8, and he told the, the people a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, or can I say, crying out, give me justice against my adversaries. For a while the judge refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow keeps crying out to me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual nagging. I mean, coming. 
And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So you can cry out in prayer, but I also believe we can cry out the promises of God. We can declare, we can broadcast, we can, we can speak for that which God has promised will be us in faith. The second way we can understand crying out is when we cry out into the conditions and against the circumstances we are facing with the Word of God. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 it says, All the promises of God find their yes in him that is why through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory so what this means is this is that all the promises found in his word God is willing and able when he made them for anyone who calls out to him to receive them but it's up to us to say amen what is amen it means we come into agreement with it it means we say so be it in my life as well There has to be an agreement between God's word and what he said and between us who are standing in faith believing God for what he says. But notice, we have to say amen. Whatever you're going through, you find the will of God for your life. If you're sick, if you're afflicted, if you're going through some things in life, we've got to learn how to cry out to God to heal us. But we also have to find the promises of God, and we have to cry out the promises of God against the afflictions and the situations that are coming our way. In Mark 11, 22 through 24, Jesus said to them, have faith in God. Another way of understanding that is have God-like faith. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, what is a mountain? It is a problem. It's a bad report. It's an affliction. It's a circumstance. It's a storm. It's a situation that you're going through. Whoever speaks to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass. Why do you believe that what you say will come to pass? Because what you're speaking is the word of God. And if you can believe it, the Bible says it will be done for you. And by the way, where it says whatever he says, the context is says and continues to say and continues to say and continues to declare declare because sometimes when you speak to your affliction, the affliction pretends like it doesn't hear you. When you preach to the storm, the storm puts his hands over its ears and goes, ah. And so what do you do? You just say, well, I guess God didn't answer my prayer, or I guess it's not for me to to be healed or whatever. No, you stand in faith and you say, in the name of Jesus, the word of God teaches, by his stripes, I am healed. Well, my back still hurts. I still, I still have bad blood sugar accounts. I still have this. The Word of God says, by His stripes, I am healed. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. To the one who fears His name, the Son of Righteousness arises with healing in His wings. And I will go forth like a calf leaping from its stall. What does the Word of God teach? That's what I speak. That's what I cry out. And that's what I declare. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So these men cried out. Second thing we find is that they followed him. Or the third thing. This should be number three. I I didn't, uh, I guess my my program messed up, right? I don't know. I put three on there. Just kidding. 
Matthew 9, 27 through 30. And as Jesus passed on from there, these blind men followed him, saying, Have mercy on us. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, be done to you. And their eyes were open. Now, as we've already stated repeatedly, these were blind men. They could not see. That being the case, when Jesus began to walk away from them, they didn't let their inability to see keep them from Jesus and what Jesus could do for them. They persevered believing that if they could get Jesus' attention, that they would be healed. But how many of us, if somebody, we call, I'm going to call the church and have them pray for me. They didn't answer the phone. God must not be in it. Oh, you know, it didn't work out. I wanted to tell somebody, but it didn't work out, so it must not be God's will. No, sometimes God's will is that you find the answer that he's given to you in his word, but his will is that you persevere through the circumstances and the struggles that stand in your way. These blind men persevered by faith, following after Jesus in the belief that as Jesus healed others, they can and would be healed as well. I think in another uh, uh, situation with a blind man, he cried out to Jesus. Jesus didn't pay any attention to him. And the disciples themselves were saying, hey, stop bothering him. And this man cried out all the more, no. I know where my answer is. I know where my healing lies. I know where my salvation is. I know it lies in Jesus, and I'm not quitting. I'm not going to. The only thing I got is a voice, and I'm not going to quit following him until I see Jesus himself turn around and say to me, well done. Receive according to how you believe. Well, there's two things I want to bring out. One is faith acts. It says in James 1.25, to the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James 2.17 through 18. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Matthew 14, 28 through 29, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus gave the command, come. So what makes this scripture and what makes this account so uh, uh, relevant to what we're talking about, but so awesome for us as Christians, is that Peter got out of the boat in the middle of the ocean because he heard the word of God, he acted, and he walked on the water. Faith acts. But not only does faith acts, faith perseveres. James 1, 2 through 3 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance or perseverance. Don't quit. Keep on following. Keep on going. Keep on believing God that what he said he will do. In Matthew 17, 14 through 21, when they came to the crowd, a man came to Jesus and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? 
How long am I to bear with you? What he's trying to highlight here is faith. There was no faith. It's faith in him and what he said that's going to bring the promises and the commands of God into manifestation in our life. And then the, and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. But the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, because of your iota faith. For truly I say to you, if you have even a little bit of itsy bitsy teeny weeny faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Now, oh, wait a minute, that, that kind of hurts. Is that really what it means? Well, there's another way of interpreting it, and obviously you can do it this way, but you can interpret it this way as well. Here, the word for little can also be translated as brief. In other words, you quit too soon. I gave you authority to cast out demons, and they all came out, and you came back, and you were all so excited because they all listened to you, and all, and all of a sudden, now you got one that's resisting. And when it resists, all of a sudden, you change your theology, and you begin to tell yourself that my word isn't true. We can't cast this thing out. Well, I said you can cast it out, and the demon's saying you can't, and you believe the demon over what I said. You know why? Because you failed to persevere. Because faith doesn't quit when it doesn't happen immediately. Faith continues to believe and to persevere until what Jesus said comes to pass. Faith perseveres until what God promised manifests. By the way, I was walking around the other day, and this is for those of y'all that are in the know, and I knew that I was healed. Hadn't manifested yet, but I knew... Things aren't always going to be the same. I knew something had changed. Something is different. Something's not going to, it's not always going to be this way because that's the, that's the issue. You know, is it always going to be this way? Is this my life? Is this the way I'm always going to be? Am I always going to have to worry about this? Am I always going to have to be concerned with this? Am I never going to be able to do this? Am I not going to be able to participate in that? And the enemy will come and he will reduce your world and reduce your life and reduce in your thinking, reduce in what you can do in your actions until you have no life. But you got to believe God. you got to stand on God because Jesus didn't come that you might have no life. He came that you might have life and life more abundantly. And you got to believe God and take him for his word. And you got to begin to push back that enemy who wants to put you into a cage. you got to begin to push back and push back the walls of that cage until you can experience what Jesus said. To the, uh, uh, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Faith perseveres until what God promises manifests. Number, number four, number three, number four, whatever it is. They received from him, Matthew 9, 29 through 31. He touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. And their eyes were open and Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it, but they went away and spread his report or his fame throughout all the district. So what we have here, what did they receive from him? The first thing we see, obvious, they received physical healing. Now listen, we're not going to minimize this because we're talking about men that could not see. Physically, their sight was gone. And they got a hold of Jesus. Jesus touched them. And he said, let it be done according to your faith. And in an instant, in a moment, 
What they could not do just one moment before, now they had 20-20 vision. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine some of you that have been carrying afflictions for years and years? Some of you that have uh, conditions that the doctor has said, you know what, uh, you're just going to have to learn how to live with it. Or the enemy's come and told you there's no, there's no hope for you. You're just going to have to learn how to deal with this in the rest of your life. All of a sudden, what happens? You get in front of Jesus, and Jesus said, let it be done to you. And in that particular moment, your life changes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your life Changes. It'll never be the same because Jesus did a physical miracle in your life. That's what happened here. There was an incredible miracle. Their life, their whole life, not just what they could do physically, but their whole life changed. They didn't have to park in the uh, handicapped parking lot anymore. Some of you won't get healed because you don't want to lose your parking spot. You don't get the attention you had before because you're healed. Well, I want to tell you something. You get healed and you start talking about Jesus, you'll get attention. They got a physical healing, but not only that, they got a spiritual healing. The Bible says they spread his fame. They spread his report. The word spread is used three times in the New Testament. In one instance, the idea is that it was a good report about what happened. In Mark 145, he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Why do I say it was a good report? Because when the people heard, they also wanted to come to Jesus. My contention is that these men who were touched by Jesus physically were also impacted by him spiritually. So much so, they could not stay quiet about who he was and what he did for them, even though Jesus had told them not to tell anyone. They were so impacted by the touch of Jesus on their lives, they had to tell someone. And they did. And when they heard the report about what he did in them, everybody else, they didn't do well. He, I, I guess he don't want to do it for me. That's how we react today. But it seems like in that day, people were a little bit of di- different. When they heard the report, they said to themselves, I need to get to Jesus too. I need to get to him too. Because if he'll do it for them, he'll do it for me. And we need to have that mentality. We need to have that understanding that faith opens the door for the promises of God that are yes in Him to be uh, manifested in our life when we come into agreement by faith with what He has made available to us at the cross of Calvary. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What He did for others, He will do for you as well. Perhaps today as you're hearing the word of God, it is sparking faith in you to believe God for either God to change your life spiritually, which we all need, or maybe it's sparking faith in you to believe God for a healing touch in your life as well. We are a community of people who are full of faith. We are growing in faith. We are full of faith. Why do I say that? Not to uplift ourselves, but to encourage you that we would be glad to partner with you in faith 
as a community of faith, with corporate faith, believing God together for God to touch you in a powerful way as he has touched us. Whatever it is that you're going through, Jesus is not us. It's God that lives in us. Jesus is in this house today. And what I want to encourage you and I want to uh, 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 bring forth to you this morning is that if you will call out to him, if you will cry out to him in faith, as these blind men did with Jesus, he will also, as he did with them, do for you because he is willing to touch you and bring his healing, his wholeness, his grace, his power into manifestation into your life. He's in the house today.